Thanks for listening to The River's Podcast. For more information on this teaching, visit our website at theriver.info. So my name's Rod, and I'm one of the pastors here. And the reason that I am confident standing in front of you today is not because I prepared a really great sermon, because I usually don't think I do. The reason I'm confident is because last night we had people in this building walking through, praying for this body, praying over the chairs and praying over the stage and praying over the nurseries and more than just those inanimate places praying over what might happen today. And so I'm confident that God has purpose. And so we are in a series called What and So What, which I'm pretty sure all the questions have been submitted, and Rob gave me all the ones he didn't want to do. (laughs) And so the topic today is... It's kind of a hard one, it's kind of a fun one for me, but have you ever been asked a question that when someone asks you the question, you know they're really asking you another question? Like, so, how'd you think the election went this year? (laughs) What they're really asking is, are we going to be friends for the next 10 years, or are we not? And so, this question, whether it was intended uh, by the person who asked it or not, and I don't even know who asked it, I, I started thinking when I read it, what would I be meaning if I asked this question? And the question wasn't even a question. It was just, can you compare the church as Jesus intended to the church today? And I thought, okay, here we go. And then I thought, if I was the one asking that question... The real question is, why bother? Because we know the difference. And let me just first remind you, um, as I'm preaching, take a little side note, sometimes you might hear some noises while I'm preaching, or you might hear a kid, or you might hear a moan, and the kingdom of heaven is going to be so diverse, it's going to shock and awe all of you. And so as we try to be a church that reaches out to um, people with families who have people with disabilities and families who have children and families who are hurting, we're going to be a place that represents a glimpse of heaven. Do you hear me? And so you can come and you can say, well, I was distracted and didn't get to hear what God had for me. Maybe God had for you a glimpse of his kingdom, what it's going to be like when you walk into heaven and see how different everybody is, and maybe he's giving you a chance to prepare for that today. Good? All right, so why bother with church? What and so what? So to get at that, I wanted to start with some slides, some photos of some different perspectives people have of church. And so, kids, try to guess what I'm going to say before I say it as you see these slides. So the first one, some people think of church as a blurry offering plate. That's my bad. I looked up all the images. Um, Some people look at church as the place you go where they're going to pass a bucket in front of you and everyone's going to be watching. And if you don't put your money in the bucket, then um, you're not as good a Christian. And ultimately, the church just exists so that you can put money 
in an offering plate or a joy box or whatever the place decides to call it to be different um, so that they can keep their lights on. And sometimes even by nice shiny blue lights and um, exist in nice buildings. Some people have been really hurt by this idea of church and some people believe that that's what it is. And then there's another one that is, anybody know what this building is? Crystal Cathedral. It is not a spaceship. Whoever said spaceship. The Crystal Cathedral. Some people believe church is the building that physically represents God on earth. And in this case, God would be very pointy and shiny, and there would be palm trees all around him. And some people just need to go to a very nice space or else it's not church. And then there's some that need that old that church feel. You know what I'm talking about? If I'm going to go to church, man, I need to feel like I've been in church and if they don't have stained glass windows, mm-mm. That's a little too postmodern for me. And you know, when we left from the old building on Academy, everyone was like, "Are you going to bring the stained glass windows?" And I was like, have you seen the stained glass windows? They're all broken. We have duct tape over half of them. Some of the stained glass is actually just like cellophane paper so that we can try to stay warm, which didn't work anyways. And then people were like, so can we maybe cut a hole in the wall here and have like stained glass? And I'm like, yeah, if you got $5 million, absolutely. We could build the whole thing out of stained glass, but... We're not going to do that. And some people think, man, I just need that feel. And it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Church to some people is that kind of nostalgia. And then there is uh, people who think that church (laughs) is about stating your beliefs. And if I go to church, man, I better agree with what's being said. And this is my favorite picketing sign I've ever seen. I'm against picketing, but I don't know how to show it. I would actually picket with that. So we might be starting a picketing ministry at the river soon. And then there's another one that people think church is for thousands and thousands and thousands of people to gather all in one place at the same time, because obviously, if the Holy Spirit is moving... We know that Jesus drew large crowds of people, so if the Holy Spirit's really moving, large crowds are going to go, and so it only makes sense to go to the place where the most people are, because that would be the greatest representation of church. And then there's another group of people, much like this group of people, that says, yes, but it's the exact opposite. We are going to go to the place where the Holy Spirit is most active in our intimate relationships with each other, and we're going to make sure we have an acoustic guitar. We're going to make sure we're sitting on couches. We are not going to build a large building. We are going to have a living room, and then eventually, if enough people come to that living room, we'll start talking about how we need to build a building at some point. But for now, this is the way it has to be. And then there is the type of church that's just, hey, Church is where I go to hear that I'm a loser. And church is where we tell everyone who's not part of the church 
that they deserve hell unless they want to be part of our specific church. Um, Then there's another one that is, you know, church is when I am in nature with God, and I would much rather be with leaves than people. Poison ivy is so much better than just a human conversation. And there, there's like this idea that I don't want to. I don't want to go inside of a of a building that has no windows, where the lights are just kind of dim and the walls are kind of angled, and I have to sit in a blue chair. I would much rather be out in nature where I can experience everything that God actually made for me. And then there is, um, it, it's a growing group. Um, of young people today who believe that the church should actually be built out of Legos. And if you think I'm joking, are there any kids in here who would go to church if it was built out of Legos? Anybody? Any little kids? I'm looking for a little kid here. If it was made out... There, right there? You would, if it was made out of Legos? Come here. Come up here. I got a Lego church for you. You can build your own Lego church and go to it anytime you want. And this pastor right here, look at his hair. He's, like he's kind of like me. He's hip and cool. So there you go. So Lego Church, and that's what I want to preach on today, is why the church should be ultimately built out of Legos. I'm just kidding. But to start this what and so what, I want to read a verse in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And this is where the idea of church begins from our New Testament perspective. Jesus is having a conversation with Peter, and he looks at Peter, and he says, you are Peter, and on this rock, does anyone know what Peter's name means? Rock. It means rock. You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and then everything changes. And so, I kind of want to just dive in and skip over everything that we would kind of build to get there and and have the conversation that we all really want to have, even though it's not a conversation and it's a monologue, so please don't interrupt me. Here's the reality. Church is messy. Every single one of those models that I just shared, plus the millions of others that exist in this world, they're all messy. None of them are completely right, and they all, in a sense, kind of have a complete wrongness to them all. And I know that some of you didn't want to hear this, but even us at the river, we're not perfect. And if you missed the sermon about how everyone almost quit, you might want to go back and listen to it. (laughs) This is a messy place, and we don't get it right. And church historically, for the past couple thousand years, just hasn't got it right. And so why bother? Because here's, here's what I want to list for you. I think that because we don't get it right, we create some different types of people. And I want to go through a short list of those people. Because the church has been messy and has not been perfect, The first type of person we create is what I would call a cynic. And the cynic is the type of person who would say, 
Well, the Axe Church used to meet in homes, and they used to have people who would sell everything they had and give it to the poor, and they would actually leave those churches and go out into the streets and the gutters, and they would grab people, and they would say, you know what? Caesar is not Lord. I want you to come and exist with us in a community that sells everything we have and gives to the poor so that no one is without need, and in that way, we're going to represent the kingdom of God to the earth, and thousands of people were added to their number daily because they, as a church, were living like they should be. And since this church or that church or this, this specific church model doesn't match that, I want nothing to do with it. I want to kind of, in my, in my own mind, complain about the way that they spend their money. They shouldn't have bought those lights. They shouldn't have bought those chairs. They shouldn't be doing that ministry. I know a better way to do it. And it says, I want nothing to do with church. And then there's like an opposite side of person who I would call the church consumer, who says, I want to go to church and I want to make sure that I am getting spiritually fed and that I am receiving what I need to receive. And this is all because the church is messy. Because the church is messy, we've created people who now have the idea that if a pastor or a group of elders is truly seeking the Lord then they will discern my needs and present me with them on Sunday morning and present me with what I need and fill me up. I can go to the gas station and I can get filled up and they're not going to say anything that I completely disagree with. They're going to say most things that I agree with, but then they're going to challenge me a little bit and it's not going to be that hard and they're going to have a place for my kids and the chairs are going to be comfortable so that I can engage with God, and they're for sure not going to have anyone who makes noise in the sanctuary. And then there's another type of person who I kind of refer to as just kind of a gentle term, judgmental hypocrites. <laughs> and those people have the tendency to look at the, look at the church and say, these people talk a big game and they don't live it out. They talk about how Jesus wants to heal people. They talk about how Jesus loves the poor and loves the oppressed and wants to spend his time and energy with them, but they don't do that. And because they don't do that, I want nothing to do with that church. And then there's a whole nother group of people who I like to call passive Jesus followers who are just like, my grandpa went to church and my parents went to church, and so I go to church, and I've become a Jedi master of the calisthenics of church. I know when to stand. I know when to sit. I know what to say. I know when to listen. I know that if somebody, you know, is out of hand, I know exactly how to whip my head so that they know next time. This is your, like, one strike one. <laughs> next time, I'm going to turn my whole body, and after that, it's on. Somebody's getting an email. I know how to do church, and I'm good at doing church. Because the church is messy, we've created passive Jesus followers. And I believe, personally, the worst of all, because the church is messy and hasn't been perfect, we've created an idea that church is the building. So you ask someone where they go to church, and they'll say something to the effect of, I go to Holy Spirit Eagle Mountain Fire Church of Midwest Nebraska. And we've got it going on. 
I got like four laughs with that. Holy Spirit, Eagle, Mountain Fire Church of Midwest Nebraska. None of that makes sense. None of those words go together. None of them. You guys were supposed to think that's funny. And in, in many ways, the church has created you and me. I am all of those things. And so are you. And we've all been those things. Do you guys remember this? You put your hands together. I won't make you point at anybody, okay? Just put your hands together with me here. Make a little thing like, point, like a spaceship looking thing. Here is the church. You guys remember? Here's the steeple. Open the doors, see all the people. Close the doors and hear them pray. Open the doors. And I would always go, they all disappeared. <laughs> but it was really open the doors, they all walk away, right? All right, parents, listen very closely. Never teach your kids that. It's completely wrong. It's backwards. If I have like an agenda today, it is to take that, that hand model thing that we do and delete it from the planet. This is not the church. The church doesn't have a steeple. It doesn't have doors. I have a new model for you, kids, and, 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 and people who need to learn to teach this to young people in their lives. Get your hands up. Put your hands together like this with your fingers up. Okay? Here's the new model. Here's how it goes. Are you ready? Repeat after me. See these people? They're the church! It's not as rhythmic, and it, it's, not like, it's not as fun to do, but see these people? They're the church! Here they are! Look at them! And then we can take the steeple and the walking away. Oh, we can just, eh, gone. See, these people, they are the church. Now, let's take it to a level 10. Let's have the conversation we all want to have. Yes, there are cynics in the church. There are consumers and passive Jesus followers and confused people who think the church is a building. And there are a thousand reasons that people can come up with based on any form of thought you want to take as to why you should take any specific model of church in this world and push the delete button on it. There's a thousand reasons why. But those same cynics and those same consumers and those same passive Jesus followers... You and me are also worshipers and prayer warriors and friends and neighbors and co-workers. And all of those people, those cynics and those consumers and those passive Jesus followers, they all have this little like inkling inside of them that believes in this thing called resurrection. And they believe that it happens with more than your tomato plants every year. They believe that in some way, the creator of the universe can call a person out of something and into something else where it was dark, it was light, where it was full of death. There's life where there was addiction. There's now hope of freedom from addiction. And they believe in that. And, and those same people who are so discontented with everything 
that the church is not, for some reason, have this ongoing compulsion that's more than guilt or shame from grandma. This ongoing compulsion to get back there into that gathering of believers. And those same people have incredible gifts planted inside of them that are screaming and needing to be drawn out of them. And so, yes, absolutely, friends, all of these attempts are messy. Every single one of them are messy. All of them are flawed. Every single one. From the mega church to the house church to church on the side of the road, which is a real thing in Texas, because I was driving by it one time, and there was a man standing in a pulpit with ten chairs out on the side of the road. Four people were sitting in the chairs. He was preaching, and someone was going like this with their hand, raising it in the air, just pumping their fist. And I named that right then, church on the side of the road. So from the mega church to the house church to church on the side of the road, every single model that you can imagine is going to be completely flawed, and it is why. Here is why none of them are perfect, because they're all made of people. They're all made of people. You say, I'm going to abandon the church, and I'm going to move to Africa, and I'm going to be a missionary in like southern Zimbabwe. And then you're going to lead somebody to Jesus, and you're going to start meeting with them, and guess what you are? A church, and then you're going to have your messy drama. It's made of people. But do you remember what I started with today? Let's go back to the verse. Let's take a look. Matthew 16, 18. Let's look very closely. Jesus looks at Peter. He says, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Here's some things he doesn't say. You are Peter. And on this rock, Bill Hybels will build my church and call it Willow Creek. You are Peter. And on this rock, Rob Link will build my church and it will be called the river. You are Peter, and on this rock, the house church movement in Asia will build my church. He never says it. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and God has been building his church since that time. And he hasn't stopped, and he hasn't failed, and as a matter of fact, he seems to be finding some kind of strange, magical way to somehow bring it all together and make it all work in unison so that the world knows that he loves them. Because it sees Jesus' followers coming together, gathering, and worshiping together. And that looks really strange to an outsider. To come and see people like, we're going to eat bread together and dip it in grape juice. Why are you doing that? Well, this is Jesus' blood, and this is his body, and we're going to eat it now. Would you like some? (laughs) And they're dumping water on each other's heads. It's time to worship. You want to go dump water on each other's heads? Or would you rather have someone hold you underwater for a few seconds (laughs) while saying some type of incantation? It doesn't make a lot of sense to an outsider, and, and then they, we start to sing songs, and they see hands go up like you're, at a, like you're at a basketball game 
but it's slow motion. You know, like, yay, Lord, go. It's just weird. It's strange. And yet, they see people coming together. They see people loving each other. And even though it looks strange, it looks like a bunch of people becoming one body. One person in unison. It looks like Jesus. And if there was ever a time for this gathering to be seen as the hope of the world in a world that believes it's about to explode every five minutes, the time is now. The time is now. And in that way, we've been given the greatest opportunity to glorify God and show the world is in this love for every person. And when we gather, we are the church. This is not a church unless we gather in it. It's just a building. The home becomes a church when the gathering of Jesus' followers happens. And to be completely honest, the church, in my opinion, is a, is a lot like Noah's Ark. It stinks inside. Like, you see it from the outside, you know, the world is flooding, and you're like, that looks pretty, it's like the only floating thing in this world of hopelessness. I think I'll go over there. And hey, they're welcoming me. They're actually trying to get me to be a part of it. And then you get in there, and there's elephant poop everywhere. <laughs> and you actually, like, put on your nicest shoes to go. You're like, man, I put on my nicest shoes to go. I put on my nicest outfit. Step, slip, bam. It stinks. It's messy. Because it's filled with people. And when you go there, you find that it's incredibly stinky and messy inside. There's junk everywhere. It's not everything that it seemed to be from the outside looking in. And it's just like Noah's Ark. But you know that if you get out, you'll drown. You know that if you get out, you'll drown. And I have seen, I'm not making this up, I have seen too many rugged individuals in my life make the declaration, I don't need this gathering of Jesus' followers because I don't like the way they do it. They're so far away from everything that Jesus intended it to be that I don't need it. I can go be spiritual myself. And I have seen them time and again learn an incredibly valuable lesson. And that lesson is you're not strong enough. You're not brave enough. You're not kind enough. You're not loving enough. You're not anything enough to make it through life alone. You're just not. You need Jesus, and you need his followers. And they're all cynics, and they're all consumers, and they're all passive Jesus followers, and they're all, all those things that make you want to run screaming, lighting yourself on fire away from it. But they're also worshipers, prayers, and they have inside them a Holy Spirit 
that is meant to love you and for you to love them and is meant to come together and show the world that the creator of the universe is real and that he sent his son to die on a cross and that that can change somebody's life and none of them are going to do it right. None of them are going to do it right. And in your mind, all of the way that it's not done right will give you a thousand reasons to press the delete button on it. But I need to tell you today, those people who aren't doing it right, they're not the ones building the church. Jesus is. You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And that's why, amongst all of the mess, and all of the chaos in the world, and all of the mess, and all of the stinkiness in here, we're still here. And that's why when someone is completely broken and completely down and they've been doing crack cocaine all weekend, that they stumble through these doors. Because they see love. And you can fixate on all the ways we don't love well, or you can say, yeah, our attempts aren't, aren't always right and they're not on, on point and they're not on target and we missed the mark, but Jesus is building his church and we're representing something when we gather. And when we gather, it's a hope to the world. And that's the thing that glorifies God the most. That hope to the world. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out online at theriver.info.